Thank you for listening to the preaching ministry of Oxford Baptist Church with our pastor, Andy Brown. We pray you'll be blessed as you apply these truths to your life. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of Him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar, and he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned. As I read that passage in Isaiah 6, I wonder, what on earth will it be like when we see the Lord? What on earth will it be like when our eyes finally behold the beauty of His glory? What will it be like? Can you imagine? Listen, we just read from Isaiah. Isaiah, who's Isaiah? He was a prophet. Isaiah was a prophet who spoke to a people who were on the edge of the judgment of God. Here's where they were. And he sees the Lord. Can you just imagine what it must have been like for Isaiah to see the Lord? Could you imagine what it must have been like to have seen Jesus? What it must have been like to see the Word become flesh and dwelling amongst us? What must it have been like for the light of the world to step down into darkness so that He could open up the eyes of the blind so that we could see Him in every bit of His glory? I hope you have your Bible today. I hope you'll take your Bible and join me in Matthew chapter 5. And We're going to continue to hear from the Word of the Lord today as we've been continuing to go through the Sermon on the Mount, and in Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 through 30 will be our passage today. And I want you to know this as we begin today. Listen carefully. In some mysterious way, we get to see God. In some mysterious way, we get to hear from God as He speaks to us through His Word. And I'm just guessing... Today, like last week, remember last week we heard the Lord talk about anger. 
for today. Our Lord continues to hammer home this truth. Today, our Lord continues to confront us with the reality of who He is and who we are. Today, we get to look at another one of those emotions or reactions that we have that I'm just going to guess that most of us have just taken for granted as just the way that things are. Let's hear the Word of the Lord. Let's read the Bible today from Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 27. You have heard that it was said, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out, throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off, throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body to go into hell. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We've heard your word to us this morning, read through your scripture. And now, Father, we desire to hear your word preached. Lord, we have this passage explained to us. Father, already there's all kinds of reactions that are already here because this is such a serious issue. So, Father, I pray that I would have grace to speak your truth and boldness. And may you, you give everyone within the sound of my voice, everyone here today, wisdom and boldness, Lord, to see what true beauty really is, to know Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Now, let's be honest today. As we read this passage, it's one of those passages that is difficult. It's one of those passages that is so exacting. The reason that it's so exacting is because we live in a society, we live in a world where what we've just read is a serious, serious epidemic. And it is an epidemic that has plagued mankind since the very beginning. And you know what the epidemic is? It's looking with lust at what is forbidden. Looking with lust at what is forbidden. The reason this is so serious, what we see and how we gaze and what we have our delight in, the reason that this is so serious is because of what Jesus is going to say later as he just takes this point and, and exacts it even further in Matthew chapter 6. Listen to what he says in verse 22. The eye. What do you do with an eye? Well, if it works right, you see, right? He says the eye is the lamp of the body. Now listen to what he says next. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, he's not talking about not having 20-20 vision. He's talking about what you see. If your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. And so instead of looking with lust at what we can't have today in our text, God calls us to be captivated. He calls us to be controlled. He calls us to have our eyes fixed on His majesty. Jesus has come. And the reason that He's come was to give eyes 
to the blind, to give sight to the blind. Jesus has come to show us what true beauty is. He has come to reveal the Father to us. And see, this is the reason. You, you have to understand how revolutionary this is. This ministry that Jesus has come to do, we all have to see how absolutely revolutionary this is. Because of our sin, we could not look on God, and God could not look on us. There was a vast chasm between us and God. And the reason for that chasm, or what was in that chasm, what caused the chasm was our own sinfulness. We were removed from His presence. As a matter of fact, this is displayed even in the way that people used to go and worship. People used to come to worship. They would seek the very presence of God in the temple. And they'd walk in and there was something separating them from the fullness of His presence. And what was that? If you remember uh, reading the Bible, you understand that there was a curtain that separated the worshipers from the Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies is the place where the Shekinah glory was. This is the place where the glory of God was. And so they would walk in, they would get close, but they could never get fully there. There was a curtain that was separating them. They were, we were far removed from His presence. But since Jesus has come, He has come and He said, if you've seen Me, you've seen the Father. Jesus has come and He says, I and the Father one. Since Jesus has come, and I love the way the, the Apostle John writes, since Jesus has come, the Bible tells us that we have seen His glory, the glory of God, glory as the only begotten of the Father, glory that is full of grace and truth. And do you remember what happened to that curtain after Jesus said, it is finished, and He bowed His head, and He said, Father, into Thy hands I commit My Spirit. Do you remember? The Bible says that the temple was rent. It was torn, not from bottom to top, but from top to bottom. Access to God is now granted to all of those who by faith trust in Him. So now we have been brought into His presence because He has brought us into His presence. The chasm that was between us and Him has been crossed by our one Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so this is why Jesus says what He says here. This is why Jesus has come after He's displayed for us what it means to be truly human in the Beatitudes. He's come and He has said, don't waste your time looking with lust at a man or woman. Don't do it. It's not worth it. Don't waste your time because now that Jesus has come, we have something better to be captivated by. We have someone better to desire. Listen carefully to me today. Listen. Looking with lust will cost you your life. But desiring God will give you life. Looking with lust will cost you your life. But desiring God will give you life. Now don't miss this. Don't miss this. Why is Jesus saying what He said? Why is He saying this? Why in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount would He come with such a sniper-like precision, with such a sharp knife and desire to cut us? Why would He do this? The reason is, is because the Lord is calling us today to fix our gaze on Him. And I want us to learn how to do that from this passage. Number one, I hope you're taking notes. Number one, you need to know that our eyes are prone to wonder. We are a people who are prone to desire other things than God. That's who we are. We desire other things than God. And this is so ridiculous. 
And I hope that you can just imagine. This is why we started with Isaiah chapter 6. Because could you just imagine what it must be like to be captivated by absolute beauty? What it must be like to see the goodness and glory of God. And then all of a sudden we are, have our eyes that are so prone to look at things that don't matter. Look at things that have no beauty when compared with Jesus. But our eyes are prone to wonder. And I wonder if you feel it. Do you feel that you are prone to leave the God that you love? The problem that we face as fallen humanity is our desiring. That's what we face. The problem that we face as humanity is our desiring. Our hearts are far from God. What we do, listen carefully, what we do is a big deal. That's, that's a big deal. What we do is a big deal. But the problem begins not with our doing. The problem begins with our desiring. So, if the problem were only doing, then we could do what the Pharisees did and just reduce the instruction of God down to who we are and what we do on the outside. But, as we know, because we've said before and we've read the Bible, we know that God's demands are a lot higher than what's on the outside. God wants your heart. He wants you to love Him in a certain way with all your soul, with all your heart, with all your strength. In other words, He wants you to love Him with everything that you are, not just by what you do, but desiring to do what He commands you to do. Not to just do what He tells you to do, but to actually want to do it. And that's what it means to love God. That's where God's called us. Think about the message of the apostles. Think about what we just read. The Bible says in John, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And then listen to what it says. We have seen His glory. Glory as the only Son from the Father. This glory of this God is full of grace and truth. The depths of our depravity are far-reaching. Here's how God confronts our depravity. Here's the good news. Jesus has come not to just show us how far we have fallen from His grace. Listen carefully. Jesus has come to bring us to the heights of His perfection. He's not just come to say, you've done this, bad, how dare you? No, no. He's not come to just point the finger. He's come to give us His hand and say, I am the means of rescue. I am the one by which you will be rescued. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Jesus has not just come to show us the way. He has come to be the way. And by His coming and becoming flesh so that He could show us His own glory, not just from some distance, but in the most intimate and personal way. This eternal Son of the Father who has taken on flesh has come both as the message and He has come to declare the message of God. And what is that message? What is it? What does He come and say? What's His first message? What's He say? Repent. Whatever way you're going down, turn from it. It is a way that leads to death. It is a way that leads to destruction. It is a way that leads to no good. He says, turn from that and turn to Me. Turn your wondering eyes upon true beauty. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Listen to Me closely. Jesus is confronting a system of the Pharisees. These are those people that thought righteousness was something that you do instead of who you are. The Pharisees set up a system of being satisfied with doing and not desiring. Doing and not desiring. And let me just say this. 
If you're here this morning and you are simply satisfied with doing, then you don't know Jesus. If you can be satisfied with simply doing, then you don't know Jesus. If it doesn't trouble you, if you are not troubled by desiring evil, then I question whether or not you truly know what majesty is. I question whether or not you know what true beauty is. I question whether or not you know who true beauty is. I question whether or not you know what real majesty and perfection are all about. If you think that God is satisfied with your doing or not doing, then what you've done is you have reduced the standard of God to something that you can keep. And you know what you do when you do that? You erect a God in your own image because you say, look, this is all it takes, so I can do it. So look, I'm doing a great job. You've erected a God in your own image. You've become the subject of your own idolatry instead of worshiping the God whose image you were made in. It's dangerous. Dangerous thing. Jesus says, if you look with lust, you are guilty. Don't miss this. Jesus says this for two reasons. He says it to, to first to show how far track we are. And then, you know what else He does? He doesn't just come to show us how far off track that we are. It's just to say it. He's also come to direct our paths back to Him. Don't miss this. This is where we get the message of Jesus all mixed up. We see Jesus as some person who's standing over us and instead of offering to save us. We have so many wrong views of Jesus. Jesus is not just saying this to show us how far we off track. He is saying this to reflect and regain our focus or redirect our focus on Him. Don't miss this. Jesus is saying this. The One who brings conviction of your sins is the only remedy for your sin. Do you see that? He's the One who brings conviction and He Himself, in Himself, He is the only remedy for your sin. And do you see the beauty there? Do you see how absolutely glorious that this is why we call it good news? Where sin abounded, grace was there all the more. Jesus has come to show us our sinfulness, but then to redirect our focus to all that He is. Jesus has not come to condemn the world. John tells us that those that don't believe in Jesus, they're already condemned already. He's not come to condemn the world. The world is condemned already. Jesus has come so that you and I who are prone to wonder from the God that we love, Jesus has come to direct our focus to Him. He's come to show us what beauty is. He's come to leave us with the attitude of Romans 7. And write that down in your margin or on your notes. Romans chapter 7, that's a good thing. He's come to leave us with this attitude that says, Wretched man that I am. Then we ask the question, Who in the world will deliver us from this body of death? And then later on he says this, Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Do you see the, the solution? Christ is not just simply to come to show us our sinfulness. Wretched man that I am. He's come to answer the question, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God. He is the answer. That Jesus Christ, our Lord, is the one who will deliver us. Now let's be honest this morning. As I think about this message, as I say this with shame, when we read this passage, how exacting 
our Lord's message is. Is there anyone among us that is not guilty of adultery? Is there anyone among us who has kept the standards of Christ perfectly? Who has never looked at a man? Who has never looked at a woman with lust? In the words of an old preacher, an English preacher, Martin Lloyd-Jones, listen to what he says. I thank God that I have a gospel which tells me that another who is spotless and pure and utterly holy has taken my sin and my guilt upon himself. I am washed in his precious blood. And he has given me his own nature. When I realized that I needed a new heart, I found, thank God, that he has come to give it to me and he has given it. Wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus has not just come to show us our sinfulness. Jesus has come to be the remedy for our sinfulness. We are prone to wander, prone to leave the God that we love. Jesus has come. Listen, don't miss this. Jesus has come to put our wandering to rest. Those of you who think that you are finding the way Jesus comes to us and He bids us, this is the way. Proverbs chapter 7, we just read about the adulterous woman. It could be an adulterous man as well. It's just hyperbole that He's, he's speaking in. So here's, here's the idea. You see, here are all of the world looking with lust, looking with lust, looking with lust, thinking that they, find, they have found what happiness is, but the end thereof leads to death. They don't even know, as Proverbs 7 says, that it will cost them their own life. In the midst of all of that chaos, in the midst of all of that darkness, in the depths of our depravity, Jesus has come to show us the way. Jesus has come to be the way. Jesus has taken our eyes that were prone to wonder, and He's come to say, find your rest for your wondering in Me. He's the only one qualified who can do that. So this is why, number two this morning, we must... Because of who Jesus is, we must fix our eyes on His majesty. Because of who He is, we must fix our eyes on His majesty. Jesus has come and says to us, come unto me. Do you understand that? Jesus has come, and in His coming, now that He says, come unto me. The One who has come now bids us come. Do you see that? Don't miss that. Jesus has moved heaven and earth for us to come into a relationship with Him. And now He stands and He's wooing, He's waiting, He's watching, He's pleading, He's praying. You have to come to Him. He has come. Now you must come to Him. In a world that's full of darkness, there is only one light. And Jesus is that light. So it should be obvious. For everyone, should be obvious for you, should be obvious for me, should be obvious for the world. The world is filled full of darkness and there is only one light in the world and Jesus is that light in a world that is full of wandering. Jesus declares that He Himself is the way. He is the truth. He is life. And so you must fly to Him. You must run to Him. 
You must fix your gaze upon Him. Be captivated by Him. You must desire Him above all others. You must be captivated by Him. Because He is pure beauty. He is beautiful. There is no one or nothing that can even come close to His glory. How in the world then, if this God is so great and He's so good, and He is, the whole earth one day is going to be filled with His glory, how could we be captivated by anything or anyone else? Let's be very clear this morning. There is nothing wrong with looking at a man, looking at a woman, and thinking them attractive. Nothing wrong with that. Jesus is not saying that. Nothing wrong with looking at a man, looking at a woman, and thinking they're attractive. We all know the difference between looking and lusting. We all know the difference. I think that men, you ought to do your best to look your best. Ladies, you ought to do your best to look your best, to be attractive. But there's a difference between looking and lusting. There's nothing wrong with looking attractive, but when a man or a woman, listen closely to me today, when a man or a woman wears things or they do things that, that make everyone else look at them and desire them with lust, they do things to make themselves seductive, everyone knows the difference. But you know who else knows the difference beyond men and women knowing the difference? God knows the difference. Because God can look at the heart. God can see the heart of everyone, and He knows the difference. Our whole purpose is so that we may know God, and our second purpose is like it. You know what the second purpose is? The second purpose is is so that we will direct others to God. And if that's our purpose in life, if, if we're meant to know God and direct other people towards God, far be it from me, far be it from you to even dare to make some pitiful attempt to be seductive and try to distract people from His glory. And let's say this too, since we're talking about it. There's nothing wrong with sex. There is nothing wrong with sex. No one said amen. That's okay. Sex is, is beautiful. You can say amen at that. It's, read Song of Solomon. Read Proverbs. Proverbs 15, man, you'll love it. There's nothing wrong with sex. Sex is beautiful. Sex is beautiful when a man loves a woman and they commit themselves before God in holy matrimony until death alone parts them. You know what God does in His infinite wisdom? God places boundaries around looking and around sexual relations for our protection. He is the all-wise God. And He sets rules and standards, not so that we can not enjoy something, but so that we will know what life is really about. Now, let's be honest. It's not intended to hurt us. God's words are not intended to hurt us. They're meant to give us life. And let's be honest this morning. At some moments, it may feel like cutting your hand off is easier than turning away. But God's ways are here to show us what life is all about. You see, and here's the the problem. Something has happened to our desires. Something's happened. Since the fall, our natures have been corrupted. Think with me. Go back to the beginning. How did the fall happen? Do you remember? It started with a look. 
When the woman saw the fruit of the tree, she ate it, and then she gave it to her husband, and he saw the same thing that she saw, and then all of a sudden, he ate it. And then what's the next thing? And this is so glorious for this passage. What's the next thing that happened? This is, don't miss this. The next thing that happened, as soon as they looked with desire, and they took and they ate, the next thing that happened was the eyes of both of them were open, and then what did they see? They were naked. By the way, we wear clothes today. You know why we wear clothes? To remind ourselves of the fall. This is why we wear clothes. Every time we see someone who's clothed, we think, oh, they're fallen. It's fascinating to me. We have a culture that is inundated with sex and that delights in nakedness. It's fascinating to me. It's everywhere. And you know that it's everywhere. And it comes in my inbox and, and at my church email address. I can't even go and read an, a news article without being tempted to see something that I shouldn't or something that I wish that I hadn't. It's everywhere. And all the while in our culture, sex sells. And all the while in our culture, no one is asking why in the world is there such great delight in nakedness. And no one else is asking what on earth will this delight cost me. And Jesus in this passage, he tells us both. He tells us that the reason we delight in wrong is because something is not right and the cost of our wrong will be our own souls. We have lost our heading as his creatures. We have lost our heading of true north. Because we've lost our heading, we are prone to wonder. You see, you and I were created to, for seeing beauty. We were created to see glory, to enjoy the beauty of God in un, listen, unadulterated fellowship with Him. Think about the language, unadulterated. And yet we are determined to delight in darkness. We are determined to live as blind men and women going about. The song of our society that they sing today is if it feels good, do it. As long as you don't hurt yourself, as long as you don't hurt anyone, as long as your motives are pure, what's stopping you? Go ahead. Light has come into darkness. Jesus has come to penetrate darkness. Jesus has come to be the light of the world, and against that dark world is a world that's filled with light that is coming, and a Savior who is its light, who has given us His Word, and against that world is the Bible and the Christians who live according to thus saith the Lord. And we look at our society, and we boldly and humbly say, no, no. The behaviors that the world delights in is behaviors that will cost them their own souls and even though this command of our Lord is totally counter everything that our culture holds dear we must stand with our Lord and say that we choose to obey God rather than men and let me say this it won't be the first time and it surely won't be the last time but the question is, realistically, as I'm up here standing before you and explaining the Word of God, the question is, is who is man enough to take this stand? 
Who is man enough to believe the Word of our Lord? Who is woman enough to believe the Word of our Lord that even if you look at someone with lust, you've committed adultery in your heart and thereby you're guilty because God sees the heart and judges according to the heart? Who's man enough to believe what God says? Who's woman enough to believe what God said? Who is man enough to make the covenant that Job made and not take a second look? Here's what Job said, I have made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a young woman. How many women are going to be woman enough to say against the grain of this culture that women are more than something for men to feast their eyes upon? We must fix our gaze on beauty. We must fix our eyes on Jesus. You see, Jesus is saying what He's saying purposefully. He's saying what He's saying with all intent to take us and cut us just like a knife. And it does. Hopefully this morning you're feeling the sharpness of His blade come across you. This is the reason sensuality is the biggest obstacle to godliness amongst Christians today. The biggest. It is wreaking havoc in our churches And I am just going to guess today with a crowd this size that it is wreaking havoc among our church today. Men looking with lust. Women looking with lust as if it's just second nature. Not saying that this is wrong. Not believing that what our Lord says is true. And the the problem, I'm afraid, the problem is so many of us are unaware that the behavior that we are engaging in is is behavior that we delight in is the very thing that is going to cost you your body in hell. God tells us, be holy for He is holy. That's, by the way, Leviticus 19, verse 2. Do a little Bible study at home. You know the context of when He says that? Read read Leviticus 18. The context of God saying, be holy for I am holy. You know what it is? The context is God is dealing with unlawful sexual practices. And as a result of everything that He said in chapter 18 and verse 19, He gets to the conclusion of the matter and He says, Be holy, for I am holy. You know what we can learn from that? Godliness and purity go hand in hand. So to avoid the gaze of lust, listen carefully to me today. To avoid the gaze of lust, you must have your eyes fixed on Jesus. There is no other hope and no other way. You can get covenant eyes for the internet. You can have an accountability partner. All of those things are good things to do. You can, uh, you can take your smartphone and throw it away. What, you can take all these steps, but listen carefully to me today. You must have your eyes fixed on Jesus. Have an overwhelming sense of how majestically wonderful He is in order for you to avoid the gaze of lust, you must have your eyes fixed on Jesus. Diedrich Bonhoeffer observed something that is fascinating. And I think that he's exactly right. Here's what he said. He said that when lust takes control, listen to what he said. This is good. When lust takes control, this is his book on temptation. When lust takes control, God loses all reality. Satan does not fill us with hatred of God, but with forgetfulness of God. Did you hear that? When lust takes control, God loses all reality. 
Satan does not fill us with hatred of God, but he fills us with forgetfulness of God. So this entire message up to this point, everything that I'm attempting to do today, you know what I'm trying to do? I'm trying to show you that God is greater. I'm trying to show you that Jesus has come to be the place where your eyes have fixed and there's no more wandering. Jesus has come to show us what true beauty is so that we won't desire anyone or anything else. This is what Jesus is doing here when He's, when he's talking in Matthew chapter 5. This is the reason that He's saying what He's saying is so that we will be captivated by Him and Him alone. So there's three things that I want to say in closing. Three things. Three practical steps that I want to give you to help fix your eyes on Jesus. And they're very, very quick and they're going to be on the screen. And I hope you write them down. Three ways that we can turn from lust. Number one, if we're going to turn from lust and fix our eyes on Jesus, number one, we must recognize when lust comes. Recognize. And don't say, I'm not going to lust. Because if, you've, if you say that, you've already lost the battle. What are your triggers for lust? Now that you know what our Lord is saying, now that you believe in Him, now that you've given your life to Him, now that He has given you new life, it's time for you to take action. It's time for you to take action. It's time for you to pursue holiness. It's time for you to guard the approaches of sin. And there's an analogy, there's a, there's a thought that I have in my mind when I say this. Every kingdom in the olden days... They'd have a castle in the middle. Their kingdom is surrounded by all the villagers that have this castle right in the center of everything. And, and they would have the walls around the castle. But even beyond the walls, you know what they had? They had sentry towers. They had guard posts that were on the edges of their kingdom. And you know why they would do that? Because they would rather fight the enemy far away from the castle because once the castle had fallen, everything else was lost. Where are you fighting temptation? Don't wait until you're consumed with lust. If you go that far, let me tell you, friend, if you go that far, it's too late. I don't think that any man or any woman wakes up one day and you says, you know, I'm going to commit adultery today. You know, I'm going to be immoral today. You know, I'm going to do all this. I'm just going to fall, make up most, I'd say. Most don't do that. But inch by inch, choice after choice, decision after decision, the enemy lurks closer and closer until the enemy is at the gates. And then by the time the enemy is at the gates, it's too late. Set the centuries out far from the castle. Guard yourself against the approaches of sin. Number two, when lust comes, and lust will come. When lust comes, remove yourself from the temptation. Get out. Don't fight. Flee. Take Joseph as an example with when Potiphar's wife got her hands on him. What did he do? He left so quick that he left his cloak behind. Remember, he got out of Dodge. He knew that there was something that he needed to run from, and he ran from it. Men and women, choose, listen carefully, choose, go ahead and make the choice not to put yourself in situations of temptation. Do what Billy Graham has done. Never eat with a woman. Never be in a room with a woman unless it's your wife alone. Women, that's probably a good practice for you too. Never go somewhere with a man unless that man's your husband. And when you're tempted to lust, try this. When that thought enters your mind, as you see that attractive woman or that attractive man walking down the road and your mind is 
prone to wonder, try this. Instead of letting your mind roam down a road of wonder, why don't you turn it into prayer for that other person? And say, oh God, thank you so much for whoever. Would you bless them? Would you draw them to yourself? Lord, would you save them? Turn your temptation into prayer for the other person. Remember this, that you are meant to know God and you are meant for others to know God. And so be an instrument in someone else's life so that they can know God. There is one relationship that matters most in your life. One relationship that matters most in our lives. And you know what it is? One. Make drawing close to Jesus the top priority of your life. Divorce happens in our society. You know why it happens? Somewhere along the line, someone got their eyes off of what they should have got their eyes on. Our culture is inundated with so many things to look at, and Jesus says, here's what you should be looking at. Here's the place to fix your eyes and finally find rest for your souls. Jesus, drawing close to Him, must be the number one priority of your life. Not drawing close to some woman, not drawing close to some man, but drawing close to Jesus. And I can say this with my wife here today, I love Jesus more than I love her. And you know what the confidence that I have when I say that? I know that she says it back to me. And you know, there's so much security there. Because you know, if I can say that I love Jesus more than I love her, and she can say that she loves Jesus more than she loves me, then you know what that means? Man, we should do love one another. There's only one thing that's going to come between me and her. You know what it is? Jesus. And you know what Jesus says? He says, no, no, no. I've not come to pull you away from one another. I've come to put you together. I've come to take the bond of matrimony and make it even more sure. Number three, and this is the most important this morning, when lust comes, realize how serious sin is. Don't be dismissive. Look at what Jesus says in verse 29 and 30. Look at what He says. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It's better that you lose one of your members than your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away, for it's better that you lose one of your members than for your whole body to go into hell. You see how serious Jesus is about sin? Now let's be honest. He's not being literal here, okay? There were many men in church history who they took this literally. There was one man by the name of Origen. He took this seriously and he castrated himself. We condemn that in the Council of Nicaea. Don't go do that, okay? Because you can still lust if you don't have a hand or eyes. You can still lust in your own imaginations. What Jesus is telling us is to have the right perspective. And here's the perspective that Jesus is telling us. The whole world may say that it's right, but the whole world way will end in destruction and hell. Lust and desire has serious and disastrous consequences. And here's what Jesus is saying you need to come to the realization that it is better for you to live your life as a cripple than it is for you to forfeit your own soul in hell. You need to have that kind of perspective. And you need to be willing to do whatever it takes. There may be some things in your life, even right now, that you know that you need to cut off. Maybe you need to cut off some of your TV shows. Maybe you need to cut off some of those shows that you delight in. And here's the question. Here's the question. This is why I can't lay a blanket and say, don't watch this, don't watch that, because every person's temptation is different. But here's the question that you have to ask. What is the cost of your delight? 
What's the cost? Whatever it is that you're delighting in, there may be cancellation needs to happen of some subscription of some questionable magazines. Maybe, maybe you need to quit going to the internet hoping you will stumble upon something. Maybe you need to quit browsing through the movies and clicking on some title hoping that it will have some scene in it that you can pause and just get a glimpse of whatever it is. Proverbs 6.27 says this, Can a man carry fire next to his chest and his clothes not be burned? Quit playing with fire. Put it out by cutting it off. This is costly. The Bible says in Colossians 3 that we are to put to death what is earthly in us. But listen, don't miss this. Who is it that is calling us to put to death what is earthly in us? Who is it? It's not the preacher. It's Jesus. And who is Jesus? He is the greatest treasure there is. He is the most amazing. He is the most beautiful. He is the purest. And He is the most holy. He is our Savior who has come into darkness to give His pure life for sinners like you, sinners like me. We were prone to wonder. We couldn't even help ourselves, but Jesus has come to be our help. Jesus has come to save you. To say to you who are prone to wonder, come, find true rest for your souls. So this morning when you're tempted to look on anything or anyone, and you will be tempted, in those moments, remember what true beauty is. Remember who true beauty is. And listen to me. Nothing in this world compares to Him. Find yourself by being lost in Him. Turn your eyes upon Him. Be captivated by Him. Fix your eyes upon Jesus. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, we love You and we thank You for loving us. You love us, Lord, with a great love. And I pray that You would, Lord, be the one who captivates our heart and soul. There's some here this morning, Lord, who if You were to look at their life and they were to be honest with You, they would say that they don't delight in You like they should. Father, may we be serious about Your Word. And as Your Word has come to us and cut us like a knife, thank You, Father, that the One who made us aware of our sin is also the one who is the only remedy for our sin. So give us grace. Free the man who's thinking about cheating on his wife from those desires. Free the woman who's thinking on cheating on her husband. Free the man or the woman, the boy or the girl who's addicted to pornography. Free the girl or the, or the woman who thinks that beauty is external when she doesn't care about what's on the inside. Free the man from dressing seductively and thinking that his worth is determined on how many girls he knows. Help us to see what true beauty is. Help us to see who true beauty is. Father, call our hearts and open our eyes to see you. In Jesus' name we pray. We trust you, our God. And all of God's people said, Amen. We pray God will use this message for His glory in your life. 
If you would like more information, please feel free to contact us at info at oxfordbaptistchurch.com. Oxford Baptist Church is located in Oxford, Georgia. If you're close, we'd love to meet you.